0: And welcome to another episode of Can Marketing Save the Planet? We are delighted today to be joined by Wim Vermeulen, who is Director of Strategy and Sustainability at Bubka, and also author of three books, the latest being Speak Up Now, Marketing in Times of Climate Crisis. Wim, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for having me. So, Wim... I wonder if we could kick off with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and also the work you do and also how your latest book came about because when we first met over email uh, there was quite an interesting backstory to this book which really piqued my interest and actually you know you said you've really felt compelled to write it
1: yes, thank you so um i'm uh For all my life, I've been a a, a strategist and a researcher. And so the last two years, I've been working with people at the University of Ghent uh, to find out about your consumer insights on sustainability, how they are different, uh, and and, and also about how um, communication from brands and companies on sustainability is is different than than, uh, regular uh, communication. Um, because it's important, because communication can drive our sustainable transition forward, forward, but it has to be done right. So we've done a lot of work with the university to understand the insights and to understand how, how uh, communication can work uh, better. And all those insights are used to write books and, and, uh, and do documentaries. So the, the last book is Indeed Speak Up Now it talks about times in uh, marketing in times of climate crisis the documentary is called the decade of action uh, and that's much more about not communication but the reason why businesses need to go uh, all in and so the the reason for speak up now was basically a conversation i had with um, one of the lead authors of the of the latest ipcc report and that was really it blew my mind because um what he so that the, the the professor is called um, uh, Felix Kreutzig for the Berlin from the Berlin University, and so what he does is he looks at demand side and the reductions that we can get from demand side, and that's very interesting because historically uh, all climate plans, Paris Agreement, etc., are looking at the supply side. So the the, the plan yeah. is how can we stop supply? So yeah. But basically, that's about you know pulling the plug out of oil and gas. That's very hard and politically uh, unfeasible for the moment. And so because those plans, you know, we've started in Egypt again, because those plans are not working really well and all of a sudden, you know, there's talk of, you know, putting 1.5 aside, then you're like, that's really something important going on. And yeah. and so that group of 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 um, scientists uh, uh, are thinking about, you know, it's good to work on the supply side. It goes, it's really hard. So, you know, let's uh, let's look at the other side. Let's not ask ourselves how we can stop supply, but how we can change demand so there's less demand for oil-based and gas-based solutions. And so, and that's the consumer side. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, what, what he said was there's a possibility, the opportunity there is to reduce 40 to 70% of global uh, emissions between now and 2050. Now, that's very interesting and very important because uh, that is sort of, you know, if polit- politics won't get us to 1.5, yeah. but if you add this to the equation, we can save Paris, and that is, of course, very, very, very important. And um, and so basically, the, the the what he sees as tools is, for example, for example, uh, policy making. So if you smart, if policymakers are smart with you know incentives and taxes, you can sell more heat pumps. That's that's one thing but the other thing that this group of researchers is uh, or, or scientists is saying is the bigger the more important tool is socially norm uh, sustainable consumption so make uh, sustainable consumption part of the culture now that's what we do as marketers you know that's what we do that's our job yeah and so yeah. with everything we put out there we norm. We socially norm things. We, 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 we change behavior. And so, and that was all of a sudden, that was like an epiphany. It was like, oh, that's the job of marketing, you know, and it's defined by climate scientists. And it's like, okay, so let's stop, find out what our job is, how we can help fight climate crisis. You know, it's in the IPCC report. The climate scientists defined it and they put numbers on it. So it's, it's, it's really great. And so, um, and so, what I did was take that as a starting point, and then think about you know what can marketers do, and that's plenty of stuff that the marketeers can do. It all needs to help socially norm uh, sustainable consumption, huh? but there's different things that that we can do if we you know we need to ask ourselves: uh, is it okay to? launch products that have a really high uh, climate cost. yeah is it not better that we if we make up business cases that we so simply put is business cases we're going to sell X units at X margin so that gives us a profit. great, let's launch this product. Maybe we should think about you know the third uh, criterion and that's the climate cost. and maybe then, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is not a good business case because the cost to have that profit is, you know, very negative to society and very negative to the climate. So, you know, let's not do that. Let's find out, let's let's ask the product people to come up with products that take the transition forward and not uh, slow it down. Um, another thing we, that we can think about is pricing. So last year in 2021 in Europe, Uh, 48% of the products launched were climate-friendly. So that's like, good thing, please continue, get us over the 50% and, you know, and speed it up. Uh, But then if we look at pricing, then the average premium across industries, across products, the average premium for a climate-friendly product is 75 to 85%. Now, that's a choice because Bain made the calculation, and they looked at you know, what does it cost to decarbonize a product, and that's less than 5% of the total cost on average. See, so if it's less than 5% and you put a premium of 75% on it, that's a choice. You, know, you, yeah. you can also not make that choice. Uh, other people, researchers, looked at what's the, you know, the premium you can ask, if you wanna accelerate the transition, and that's 10%. So if the premium on sustainable products is 10%, it will explode. Now, 10% is twice the 5%, yeah? That's a choice, that's a choice that we have. And and there's plenty of choices that we can make, you know? The thing is, as marketeers, we have to ask ourselves at the end of the day, every day, with all the decisions that I took today, what did I do? Did I accelerate the transition or did I slow it down? Now, if, you, if the conclusion at the end of the day is I slowed down the transition, yeah, you don't want to be there. You, know? you don't, really yeah. don't want to be there. You want to be on the other side. You want to be like, oh, okay, so I did good things today. So I, I, you know, I accelerated the transition. That's a, a good place to be in. Now, you can take all those decisions and I have plenty of examples in, in my book of how companies do that and and uh, and how they manage products and launch or not launch products, et etc, but at the end, socially norm uh sustainable behavior of consumption behavior is about communication, and there it where it goes wrong because and that is um, that's pretty hard to you know if you see the numbers like Wow, we we really have a problem. If we we so the university um, analyzed or researched one hundred campaigns, sustainable campaigns, unsustainable and services, big brands, small brands, and internationally, nationally, different ten different sectors, and what we saw was only nine point seven percent of all those campaigns are credible. So. Really people saying, yes, I believe what I just heard. So more than 90% of those campaigns, people say, well, I, I really, I don't have, no nothing. I don't believe anything what I just heard. And these are big brands, you know, yeah. really big brands. And then you're like, and then we, we dissected the results and so we we looked at the 10 sectors and you might think okay if it's on oil and gas of course people won't believe it or is if it if it's fashion of course people won't believe it but it's in every sector, the, 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 the numbers are really low, and so there's a huge credibility gap in every sector. Now, that means we have a language problem.
0: And I think this is very much in line with sustainable marketing and what Michelle and I talk about all the time around the fact that now as marketers, we do need to use our powers for good. It's about being more aware of the operating landscape using the right language. It's about, you know, taking your voice away, which I appreciate is easier said than done. Um, If you don't agree with the direction of travel or feel something your organisation is planning on saying isn't right, uh, isn't truthful, is greenwashing or perhaps stalling, you know, progress to really driving their sustainable agenda. And as you say, Language is absolutely critical, isn't it? Because it can have multiple impacts and results. So the language you use can determine whether you trust an organisation in what they are saying. Uh, It can determine whether you actually learn and understand about something if the purpose of that language is to educate. Um, And we can unpack, obviously, some of that as we, you know, in the findings from your book as we as we carry on this conversation. You know, the language you use really determines whether you engage or indeed disengage people, which uh, unfortunately is more often the case uh, when it comes to s- the sustainability challenge and its complexities. And you know, it can be really hard at times for people to take it in because it can almost be too much for some of them. But also the tone of your language is key in whether you motivate people into wanting to know more or, or indeed taking action, more importantly so it has such an important role but in all of the different studies and the data you collected and the people you spoke to as you were researching and writing the book how do we as marketers drive long lasting credible change through the language we use and can you give an example of where language has had a positive impact in bringing people along with it
1: yeah so i'm do- going to talk about storylines of of campaigns and then i'm going to talk about what makes uh, a storyline credible, right? Yeah. The first storyline, it's really, it's really uh, interesting because there's a lot of brands that say, you know, uh, we're into climate action, but we don't want to sound as an activist. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you know, pull, pull it down a little bit because we don't want to be Patagonia or we don't want to be Levi's or we don't want, you know, we want to be just, you no. Know, but we want to be okay, but not be an activist or a climate leader. Yeah. Okay. So we looked at different storylines and we looked at, you know, if you build your, your storyline on bio, for example, what we see is it decreases your credibility because in the mind of the consumer, bio is not the same as climate friendly. Bio is healthy yeah. Well, it doesn't mean it's climate friendly. Okay. There's a lot of noise around that. Um, if, if you are, if you, your storyline is, is sounds or feels activist, a little, not like extension rebellion, but like Patagonia. Yeah. Then it increases your credibility, you know, because, and the, the same thing with climate leadership. So, uh, if you are a traditional company, but you, you, you sound like a climate leader, you take leadership, then it, it adds to your credibility. Why is that? Because uh, it's, it's very simple. It's, it's when you look at consumers and you ask them, you know, do you still trust that the, our political leadership will solve the climate crisis? Where I come from, only 7% of the people say yes. Wow. So 93% of the people say, we forget politics. They are not talented enough. They will never take us no. safely through the transition. right? No. Yeah. When you, and so the effect of that is people are massively looking at businesses. Yes. 83% of people say businesses, you know, you got the leadership. You know, you're international. You know how to launch international projects. You have the money. You know, you know, you understand timings and 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 you know and and status updates and project plans, and that's all we need to get us safely through the transition. So, could you please take leadership? Okay, half of the consumers are saying. And by the way, could you also? you know tell us what we need to do because we know we need to install a heat pump but i live in an apartment block you know i know i need to drive electric but it's too expensive i, I know i need to go vegan and drop meat and milk etc but you know i have a family and and so what they're saying is please put climate friendly products on the shelf and i will buy them You know, because I want to contribute, but I have the feeling that what I can do is just a drop in the ocean. So please give me scale. You know, scale. That's what I mean. You know, if if I wanna I want to buy a product, if one hundred one million other people are buying it too, that gives me scale, and that's much more than a drop in the ocean. And so um and so people want leadership, they want brands to sound like activists if they mean it right they they have to they have to come through but you know they look they're looking for that. the other thing is and it's reflected in the drivers too so so from our research we were a little bit surprised badly surprised that only one in ten campaigns were credible so we looked for what makes something credible? So we looked, we looked, we, we took the 9.7 very credible campaigns, we dissected them, and then we looked at what are the what are the drivers that makes people say, I believe, I just I believe what I just heard. And some things are obvious, some things are not obvious. Um, what people are looking for, and the first one is the most important one, but it's very obvious, is uh, um, companies sounding honest being honest and transparent So yes. basically yes. saying you know nobody expects you to be at 100 percent in the transition because it's not possible you know they they don't want you to say we're there yet we are we are already climate neutral nobody believes it because everybody knows that it's not possible except if you plant a million trees which again you know leads to another discussion um so they just want you to be transparent. So if you're, if, you're, if you're not there yet, cool, you know, but tell us where you are. That's one thing. The other thing is they want to feel commitment. They want to really feel commitment, you know. Um, the third one is urgency. That's, that's a difficult one. So everybody understands that the climate problem, be it socially or be it, you know, uh, climate being a, socially fair and climate friendly its all very urgent you know and so they they want to understand that the brands that talk to them about sustainability or about being climate friendly that they understand the urgency you know Um, and that's never in a brief it's really never in a brief i've never had a brief that says Please make sure that people understand that we really understand the urgency and we're doing everything we can to meet the, the the urgency, right? And then the the fourth one is proof points. And again, proof points is not, you know, we have a net zero plan. We're going to do this in 2030, this in 2034, and this in 2040, and this in 2050. That's not proof points.
0: No. That's, no.
1: that's promises. Right? Proof points is, we're gonna do this to get there, or we we are there already.
0: Yeah. And
1: then the last one is is a shared value. That's what we call stakeholder value. Okay, so that the people need to understand what the value is for the brand, but also the value for them. And so, and if you look at that, and you look at the campaigns that are in the nine point seven benchmark, then all of a sudden you start to understand how that works. Um, but You know, this needs innovation. So we need to start, we need to take those five drivers and then, you know, start to innovate on how um, we communicate, we use that in communication. Because um, the thing is, credibility was never, ever an issue. You know, if you take any toothpaste uh, advertising, it all promises, you know, your teeth are going to be crystal white as of tomorrow. You know, nobody goes to the supermarket and says, yeah, you know, I, I, I used it. I tried it. It doesn't work. I need my money back. I want my money back. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, because everybody understands the language. Everybody yeah. understands that it's not true. It's just, you know, like we call it dramatizing the benefit, you know, but it's not true. And nobody thinks it's true. But we can't use that technique in sustainability because then all of a sudden it's like, you're lying. You know, I, yeah. I will not believe you because you're lying. Everybody says they're going to be net zero in twenty fifty, and then you know I don't believe you. You know, and so and that's a that's a big thing. So that's why we need to we need a lot of innovation in that in that language and how we talk to consumers. We need a lot of innovation because those five drivers. One thing to read them; it's another thing to
0: apply them. And this is another thing isn't it you raise in your book uh, and that is the abundance of terminology being used in and around sustainability and climate change you know in the book you list the examples of climate friendly terms some of them uh, carbon neutrality net zero carbon uh climate neutrality zero carbon carbon free net negative emissions carbon negative climate positive you know zero emissions It's incredibly confusing because, you know, there is no sort of set criteria or strict guidelines out there on what organisations should be using. And ultimately, we should all be using the same term because only by using the same term can you actually compare where organisations are along their sustainable journey. And, you know, this this these multiple terms lead to the misuse of them, whether deliberately or by accident. They can be used to mislead people. And ultimately, all of this just slows progress because everybody's trying to work out where everyone is. So, in your experience, Wim, how can we start to tackle and manage this? Because it's already a huge barrier, isn't it, in changing the course we are on and ultimately driving everybody in one direction?
1: Yeah. We need to stop inventing. Yeah. Stop. You know, Because everything has been defined by scientists, you know. Uh, And then it's like what we we do is, well, okay, it's defined, but we're going to call it otherwise. We're going to name it differently. And it's like, no, no, hold on. The name is, it's done. You know, it's there. Being climate neutral is defined. Either you are climate neutral or you're not. You know, and then all of a sudden you're I'm lifetime carbon neutral. No, well, I don't know, but there's no way to judge because it hasn't been defined by the scientists. So, you know, stop inventing stuff, you know, yeah. just there's 10 definitions defined as 10 terms, basically defined by, by climate scientists. Okay. That's the Bible. Use it. You know? Yeah. And, and don't try to invent other stuff because it's, it's only add to the confusion. It's, it's already difficult enough to, to you know, to, to explain a to consumer that you're climate neutral because already that is difficult to explain. So if we're going to use 10 different terms to say the same thing, nobody yeah. will understand it. No. You know, no. so, so it has been defined, trust the science. You know, trust the signs. The the, the the
0: follow the signs. That's what we need to do. And I think, unfortunately, the number of terms. And we do love to invent a term in marketing, don't we? Uh, we love to come up with something new and put spin and colour on it so it stands out and amplifies the message and more people engage with it. But in this case. Um, We've ended up causing mass confusion, I think, in some ca- in some areas, which, given the enormity of the targets, isn't a good thing because people start to disengage and don't understand the meaning of what's being said. So, in terms of the language and messaging you use, that's why we do the work we do at Can Marketing Save the Planet because we believe that an educated and responsible marketer is the most powerful marketer out there and they're the ones who will be successful when it comes to changing behaviors and as as you say socially norming sustainability another thing you talk about in your book Wim is uh, that is central to uh, creating a more sustainable future is collaboration isn't it you know no one country organization NGO or individual can solve this issue alone and we have to work together And the value in collaboration is something that has become more balanced or or shared in terms of value over the last few years. And in the book, you use the example of VLUX, which I hadn't come across before, and how they're really setting the standard when it comes to their approach and how they are going really hard on their commitments. However, they aren't on their journey alone, are they? Because they are working with the WWF and the Carbon Trust. So, you know, can we talk a bit more about Velux and, and why that approach works?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a fantastic example of climate leadership. So Velux is basically a very traditional company. It's not a very cool company. It's not, you know, it's not a climate leader. It's not an activist. It's it's some a very traditional company. And then, and all of a sudden, they come with this campaign. where Why? What? One thing is. Um, if you would put that campaign as an agency to an advertiser, you would have to say, listen, um, we're going to do in the 15 seconds Facebook, Instagram world. Yeah. Good. We, we're going to do an ad of two minutes 30. Are you still with me? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Second thing is, and the CEO is going to do the talking. What? Yes, the CEO is going to do target. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And the third thing is, Um, um, we're going to talk about something nobody will understand yeah and then you know it's like are you ready for the commercial will you will you run that commercial of course not yeah Yeah. but they pulled it off They, they really pulled it off and the key there is their collaboration with WWF so what they're saying is we started in 1941 and so in 2041 we will be carbon neutral but not only you know carbon neutral with the stuff that we do then, but we will have compensated every kilogram of CO2 we ever emitted since 1941. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's climate yeah. leadership. So it's, a, it's in the top 10 of credible commercials, right? So they, they, they're they really very credible. And you can't say that that credibility comes of the brand because it there's no history of climate leadership in that brand. So out of the blue, they just came with that. It was like, wow. Now, um, the thing is, it's all planting trees, right? And so then you are like, hold on, hold hold on, hold on. Compensation. Okay. So where's the, where's it, where you say, you know, not in a commercial, but in, on the website and where the plant find, where do you say how much you, you reduce and how where is it that you say that the last 10 or 20% you're gonna compensate? Right. And then it's not like that. And it's like ooh, greenwashing, but then they come with WWF. And you know that WWF, you know, if they come along, it's sound and valid. And then it's yeah. like, well done. You know, well done. It's a new sort of collaboration, you know, and it adds to the credibility. It's the when we talk about proof points, well, that's the proof point that made that thing credible that can be credible it's also the, the ceo as a, that was also a proof point because of the ceo talking the, talking and explaining yeah. it was like you know a pr announcement really well done but
0: because it was the ceo with a normal voice of it wouldn't have had that credibility and that's something we absolutely need more of, which is, you know, leadership, real leadership within sustainability. And then that's across all functions within organizations. But coming from the top down, you know, is, is, is really important uh, as, as we all head in this in this same direction or all aim to head in the same direction. So, you know, anyone listening today, go and have a look at VLUX's website and have a look at what they're doing, because, you know, it, it's a really interesting case study. So Wim, I could literally talk to you all day. There is so much food for thought in your book. uh, And, you know, I, I, again, I think everybody should absolutely go and read it. But uh, we like to ask all our guests the same three quickfire questions to wrap up the show. So my first question to you is, can marketing save the planet? Yes.
1: And it has been defined. And the way to do that has been defined by climate scientists it's in the IPCC report, Chapter 5. The last IPCC report, Chapter 5, it's all about how marketing can save the planet. So, you know, the numbers are there. The the the, the tools are there. Everything is there. So let's read that. Let's do that. And that's how we're going to save the planet, help save the planet.
0: Brilliant. And my second question to you is, what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? Yeah, I hope that...
1: Um, that's 2033. I hope, hope that we, we can look back and, and, and say, you know, it was just in time, but we got the message. I think it's time to have a, a high ambition coalition of marketeers. Marketeers that, you know, speak up and that, that ask that question at the end of the day, how did I, what did I do? Did I accelerate the transition or did I slow it
0: down? And people that have the ambition to not slow it down. I think a high coalition of marketing leaders would be great. And Wim, my final question to you today is, if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainability or sustainable marketing, what would it be? Yeah. Put a planet
1: in your meeting rooms.
0: I love yeah,
1: that. So I, we, we've we've done that. So um, and I tell everyone that. So it, it's a, the, the the blow up planet, it's in plastic. You know, the, you know, nothing to do about that. But put it in the meeting room. And so, in, when you have meetings and you make decisions at the end of the meeting, when you have your list of decisions and next steps, ask the planet what he thinks about the decisions that you just made. The planet, of course, doesn't speak, but you will know. You will know. You will know. I love that idea. Yeah, and have a discussion and ask the people, what do you think that the planet would say now? And if somebody says, you know, I don't think the planet would agree, have a discussion on that and what you can do to make the planet agree. Have a discussion on that. It changes things. It makes things Easier because you all of a sudden you're conscious about oh we have an impact on this on this blue planet and we're responsible for it so you know
0: it helps. That is absolutely brilliant. You know, making making Earth a stakeholder in the room. Earth is our biggest stakeholder after all. So uh, I love the idea of of asking Earth what what Earth would think. So when. Thank you so much for your time today. How can our listeners find more out about you? Indeed, about the book, which you can pre-order on Amazon now. It comes out in January. But how can they find out more about you?
1: Yeah, so um, on my my website, I have the list of all the books and the documentaries and all the research I do. It's www.wimvermuelen.com. www.wimvermuelen.com.
0: That is great. And again, Wim, thank you for joining us. I have thoroughly enjoyed our chat today.